trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Shelley Corbin, Roxanne Groff, and James Icecamp, petitioners and legal counsel to revoke primacy of Ohio Class II oil and gas injection wells from the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. Shelley Corbin, Shelley, can you help me pronounce your indigenous name? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Shelly Corbin is my government name and my indigenous name is Takoni Gokipeshni. And I am a member. Um, I come from the families of the Itazbicho and Minikoju families of the Lakota Nation. I was born and raised on the Cheyenne River Reservation in North Central South Dakota. And I currently live in Grove City, Ohio. Thanks, Shelly. She also served over 15 years in the military and continues to serve in the Ohio Air National Guard, currently is the campaign representative for the Beyond Dirty Fuels campaign at Sierra Club. She focuses on oil and gas infrastructure and waste-related issues of the fracking industry across Ohio. Shelley is committed to connecting with the land, relationships, and herself to strengthen community, connection, and unity with the living world. As a founding member of the grassroots group Save Our Rural Environment, Roxanne Groff fought the permitting of strip mines in Athens County. Her interest in state law and the lack of implementation of rules by the regulatory agencies led her to run for public office, first for township trustee, then for the county commissioner. She participates in campaigns to raise awareness and challenge industry abuses that will affect the health and well-being of citizens. Roxanne works with the Buckeye Environmental Network and the Ohio Brine Task Force to stop dangerous bills in the Ohio General Assembly regarding radioactive and toxic oil and gas waste as a commodity, inadequate rules for injection wells and oil and gas waste facilities, and the current petition to revoke primacy of Class II injection wells from ODNR. James Icecamp is a senior attorney at Earth Justice in the Fossil Fuels Program, where he works on matters involving oil and gas and petrochemical infrastructure in the Appalachian Ohio River Valley. Since 2014, James has been representing clients in Ohio and Pennsylvania in a variety of environmental civil matters, including cases involving water rights, citizen suit litigation, air quality permitting, water quality permitting, mineral rights, pipeline challenges, and land use and zoning. James also teaches a course in environmental law at the University of Akron School of Law. On October 11, 27 grassroots and nonprofit environmental organizations delivered a petition to the U.S. EPA to determine by rule that Ohio's Class II injection well permitting program no longer represents an effective program to prevent underground injection that endangers drinking water sources and fails to comply with the requirements of the Safe Drinking Water Act. Let's start with the grassroots organizer, Roxanne. Can you give us, in a nutshell, what this petition is to the U.S. EPA? Nutshell version. <laughs> well, um, Carolyn, you know that we have been working on this on injection well issues, class two injection well issues in Ohio for, for 
at least a dozen years or more. And this petition to um, the US EPA is to ask them to revoke the Department of Natural Resources um, oversight over injection well permitting and uh, enforcement because the permitting process is extremely flawed and pretty much there's no enforcement process at all. So the US EPA is charged with the looking at how each state who has primacy handles its programs. And we have been saying for years to the US EPA, we've petitioned them more than once to come and take the hard look that's needed at Ohio's program, because we, the citizens, are well aware of the fact that enforcement is almost non-existent. The permitting process doesn't include the public process. And and it's pretty much just a sham of of a program. So the petition took a year and a half to put together. It's including grassroots testimonies, testimonies from citizens who actually live near the injection wells or have been intimately involved in the process. And we've been very fortunate to have Earth Justice work with us, um, work with the grassroots groups to help with the legal process. And it's, I mean, it, it, you know, it's taken over 18 months to put this petition together. And, and it's quite, uh, it's quite impressive and impactful. And I did make my call today to the US EPA. As- okay, we'll get there. Roxanne, yep. perfect. Let's go on to Shelley. Shelley, you and I and several other grassroots organizations met with District 5 um, Director of the US EPA. Shelley, can you talk to the folks about how Sierra Club is involved with this petition. Absolutely. So my role is, as stated, is the campaign rep for the Beyond Dirty Fields campaign and Sierra Club, you know, which at this level of our campaign, we're really here to support the grassroots efforts and really what they envision and what they want to do as far as interactions with whether it be upholding rules and regulations with agencies at all levels. Um, of government from local to federal. And so our our whole role in this is to support our partners, the impacted members of the community, and really at the same time, develop relationships with partners to strengthen our partnerships so that we can continue working effectively across the state on all intersecting issues when it comes to the environment environmental justice work, social justice, and really just the broad horizon of intersectional issues with the oil and gas in- industry. And so that's really how I see our um, my specific role. And we do that as a team as far as Sierra Club. And then also we do have our commitment to the uh, Sierra Club members that pay that are a part of the club. Um, and so we bring them along as well as far as informing them through via newsletters with and working with um, Sierra Club Ohio at the chapter level. And we also work to ensure that through our team in uh, various platforms, whether it be email, digital, that we utilize our tools that Sierra Club has to make sure that our members are educated. And also we're supporting um, with whatever tools and resources we have at the club that we support our partnerships, our members, and ensuring that um, all their voices and their stories are heard at all levels as well. Thank you. And James, as the uh, legal counsel with Earth Justice, how did you get involved with this petition and why did you take this on? So I've been in Earth Justice since March of 2021, 
but I've been doing environmental law in Ohio for grassroots groups and, and I represented a lot of individual landowners as, as well um, in cases involving oil and gas waste and specifically injection wells since 2014. Um, so this, this has been a long-standing problem in the state. It got a lot worse with the advent of hydraulic fracturing and just the, the boom and the increase in oil and gas waste that came along with that, combined with the fact that Ohio kind of won a race to the bottom in the region as far as regulating these types of wells. And just, just so everyone understands, these, these are oil and gas waste disposal wells. That's what a class two injection well is. Um, and it's the primary way that liquid oil and gas waste is disposed of um, in the country. And certainly in the region, Ohio is the primary disposal state, I guess you would call it, um, for this region. And because they've been so poorly regulated, there's been a lot of outcry for a long time going to the agency, going to what, frankly, few nonprofit environmental lawyers that are in the state. Um, and I happen to be one of them in 2014. So this has been a problem since then. When I got to Earth Justice, um, one of the things I work on is oil and gas infrastructure and oil and gas waste in particular. And one issue that we are seeing is that oil and gas waste in general is underregulated. So it's exempt from federal laws that regulate what's called hazardous waste, where the constituents of it, it really should be regulated that way. Um, and it's underregulated in the injection well context in this region because Ohio's program is so lax and it's so easy to get an injection well. And we feel that if industry paid the true cost of disposing of its waste, they'd have a much more difficult time justifying producing so much oil and gas. Um, so as part of the goal for industry to put, pay the true cost of this waste, um, that's one reason we're involved. The other reason is just that my colleague, Megan Hunter and I, We've always been, we've always worked with grassroots groups and uh, community groups and, and, and individual citizens in Ohio and Pennsylvania and West Virginia. And this is just something that people have been building toward for a long time. So it just seemed really appropriate for us to take on. It's a um, sizable document, 79 pages, lots and lots of facts and information about um, damages that um, individuals have had and regulations that haven't been um, enforced. It's comprehensive. And I think it will be difficult for the, the US EPA to ignore it, for sure. And I'm, I'm impressed, Shelley, there are 27 grassroots groups that have come together. And I do see that your objective has been to gather and same with Buckeye Environmental Network. It's been a very successful gathering of folks that care about our water. And, um, and I am um, grateful for the leadership of this group because I'm, I'm part of this collective and uh, the people that I work with are part of this collective. I'd like to explain to folks um, what primacy is because we're taking away primacy, but basically, would you explain, uh, James, what that is and, and who we want to give the primacy to? Yeah, so primacy is just the authority to regulate or permit this type of injection well. And primacy comes from the idea, so this, all injection wells fall under the Federal Safe Drinking Water Act. There are six classes of wells and the Safe Drinking Water Act does a lot. One thing it does 
is it regulates underground injection of fluid or waste for the purpose of protecting underground sources of drinking water. And in a state like Ohio, where we have, we're fortunate enough to have so much of a great resource of underground source of drinking water, it's really important to have that regulated properly. So it's a federal law. So EPA is charged with regulating it, but states are allowed to apply to EPA for what's called primary enforcement authority. So they come up with their own rules that have to be at least as stringent as the federal rules in the federal program. Um, and if they get approved, they take over regulating and EPA has the authority of oversight so they can audit a program, they can monitor a program, but they don't permit wells. They don't really have much of a say in regulating at all after a state is granted primacy. Um, so that's all primacy is really, is just the, um, the ability to regulate it, the sole ability to regulate it. And in the state of Ohio, that sole authority is vested with the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. Which, which regulates oil and gas. It does not, in general, regulate other parts of the Safe Drinking Water Act or really water quality in general. That's Ohio EPA. And this, this dichotomy where ODNR regulates oil and gas and Ohio EPA regulates almost all other things environmental has caused a lot of problems with, with um, environmental issues related to oil and gas because a lot of that expertise rests with Ohio EPA, um, but in this state, it's all, all the authorities with the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. So they have the primary, specifically the Ohio Department of Natural Resources has primary enforcement authority over the State Drinking Water Act. We'd like to see it go back to EPA because when EPA regulates an injection well program, you don't have the out of control numbers of injection wells. So EPA regulates they have primacy in Pennsylvania still, and there are around 10 total injection wells in Pennsylvania. And How many do we have? We have around 230. I, I don't think our numbers are totally up to date, but yeah, 230 and counting, something like that. So yeah, so one reason that a state like Pennsylvania has so many less is because EPA regulates the program, and it's just not as easy to get a permit. Excellent. Can you guys tell me what is the real problem? with these class two injection wells and regarding to our uh, drinking water. Shelly, what's the problem? Why, why is there a problem? Absolutely. So it is shown that in recent, um, in a recent report that was released by the Physicians for Social Responsibilities last month, that they're showing that PFAS and forever chemicals are now being found, are now being found in oil and gas waste. So in these class two injection wells, there exists a slew of toxic chemicals that, you know, the physicians for social responsibilities were working to uncover. And so a lot of these toxic chemicals are, are protected. They're basically trade secret chemicals, but we know that they could be up to thousands of chemicals that are toxic and that are hazardous in terms of they're literally poison for the living world. And from my, and from the indigenous perspective, you know, which is what we do to the land is we do to ourselves. And so when you look at, if we are injecting billions of gallons of radioactive, toxic waste that contains PFAS and it's going into the soil, it's water-based. So this is leading to air pollution 
which is then traveling through the water cycle, which we know falls somewhere and water travels. It, it has a life cycle of its own. So we know that it's not just limited to just this specific area in the soil, in the water, in the creeks, in the streams, but that, that water cycle continues. And now it's going to get into the living world, which such as trees and animals and us, because we are a part of that cycle. And so that's where those toxic chemicals are going to have an impact and they're going to exist through the, the cycle of life. And so some of these, you know, in terms of radioactive, the radi- radium 226 and 228, the half-life of, of that specific chemical is 1600 years. So, and if we're taking billions of gallons and placing it into majority of the Eastern half of Ohio, then what does that say about the health of our soil, our waterways, ourselves, where we grow our food, where we love to hike and where we love to enjoy the outdoors. And so really that's where the concern is, is for me, it's, it's what are we leaving for the generations to follow? And really what are we doing to ourselves right now in the present moment? And Roxanne, how do these chemicals impact human beings and animals, fish and birds? How does it display itself? Well, as Shelley so eloquently <laughs> explained, the, um, the toxicity, the PFAS and the radioactive content. I mean, th- th- these are, this is water and chemicals that have been used to frack a well, to drill an oil and gas well for extraction of the oil and gas. And everything that goes down the hole to get the oil and gas out comes back up. And that is what's disposed then in neighborhoods unbeknownst to the people who live there, what kinds of radioactive material and chemicals are going into their backyards. So this this is carried in trucks, big trucks, you know, 1500 gallons or more of toxic radioactive waste is being transported on our highways. Those trucks have accidents, they spill, they get into the ditches, they get into our creeks. There have been fish kills where uh, the toxic radioactive waste has spilled from an injection well site. So, you know, the most egregious part of this is people don't even know that they have these toxic radioactive injection wells in their neighborhoods. They don't know until it has happened. And that is the most egregious, to me, that's the most egregious part of the whole process in Ohio is that there is literally no public process. No matter what ODNR says, there is no public process. There has never been an, um, a public hearing. The public meetings that ODNR had held several years ago, one in Athens County and one in Portage County, they had a couple dozen armed guard that attended the public meeting. We were given a um, public speaking space outside of the facility where the meetings were being held. Guard dogs were at the search site of people go. I mean, this, <laughs> this is the United States of America, right? And what one should not feel intimidated going into a meeting. Now, these were just information meetings. These were not public hearings or any kind of a hearing where people actually sat, heard everybody ask questions and receive answers. So, you know, the fact that the level of toxicity of the waste 
or brine, as it is sometimes called. Nobody knows what's in it. The Ohio, the state of Ohio doesn't reveal it. So if you saw a puddle or bubbles or whatever, or you smelled something in the air, you wouldn't have any idea what it was. So if your dogs are out or the wild animals in the woods where these, these wells can leak, you have no idea what that stuff is. There have been spills of magnitude that have killed hundreds of fish where they have spilled into the creeks. Uh, the levels of radioactivity have been very high where uh, the EPA and ODNR has come out to test the site where the spill took place. So, you know, pe people still, even though we have been working on this for over a dozen years, people still don't know that these injection wells can end up in their communities and people have nothing to say about it. We've been talking about the um, Appalachian eastern part of Ohio, but even in Columbus, you know, there's no drilling for oil and gas in Columbus. But in our watershed, the Columbus Metro watershed, there are 13 active radioactive toxic waste injection wells. And folks don't realize these are oftentimes abandoned vertical oil and gas wells with no holding tank containing the material. It just, there's leakage. I want to go to James, to your, the, an article about this petition in the Ohio Capital Journal from October 19. And you said, ODNR permitting fails to one, account for overpressurization, two, locate migration pathways, and three, to define the components of the waste being injected. Can we briefly cover those? One, account for overpressurization. Yeah, so th those are three of, of a number of technical flaws in the program that have really led to pretty serious contamination events from uh, injection wells in Ohio. So overpressurization is just the idea that when you um, have an injection well project, you have an area of review. And overpressurization is the idea that your injection pressures are allowing fluid to migrate outside of that area of review. So during your permit process, you don't account for all the risks that could be involved. Um, and Ohio's area of review is a fixed area of review. So they don't use the local geology to account for how far this waste might migrate. They have the same area of review for every well. And what we've seen is waste migrating up to five miles away from an injection well site. So all the risk, risks could be faults in the zone that allow waste to migrate up. The most serious risk in Ohio is probably abandoned wells or even producing wells. So anything that could be a conduit, because once that once the waste is going, it's looking for a way up. That's the pressure part of it. So if there is a conduit like an old abandoned oil and gas well, it's going to shoot up. And that's what we've seen. And those are the a couple of events that we detailed in the petition. Um, and this has been occurring more and more in Ohio. And frankly, during EPA's last review of the program, and there were a lot of flaws in their last review of Ohio's program, but these events had not come to fruition that we outlined in the petition. And we're really hopeful that this EPA will take a very close look at what's going on. And EPA itself has recognized that, look, for a lot of places, particularly with a lot of injection wells and other risk sources, such as old abandoned wells, a fixed radius review probably doesn't make sense. You need to actually account for the pressurization of the formation and how far is this waste going to go if you inject it at these pressures. So 
Uh, and then just the constituents of the waste, there's no testing of the waste going into the well. Yeah. And the more we learn about this waste, the worse it gets, it seems like. So the Shelley mentioned the PFAS report. It seems like every time we do comprehensive radioactivity tests of oil and gas waste, at least in these shale regions, it looks worse and worse. This waste is highly radioactive. We still don't really know because of disclosure laws, all the chemicals that are put into the wells. So it's a really good idea to test the waste going in so that one, you make sure that the right waste is going into an injection well. So for example, if the waste is mixed at all, it's probably not appropriate for a class two well, it needs to go to a hazardous waste well. But also if there is an event, like we've seen many of them, whether it's a spill at the site, whether it's a migration event from the well, we need to know how to react to clean it up and what to test for. And without knowing what's going in, we don't know those, those answers. So we probably haven't been reacting the right way, frankly, in the state in responding to, to migration and contamination events. I remember in the beginning of the fracking boom when Kasich was the governor and um, Ohio EPA, um, they were just reducing all of the regulations and making it super easy for it just to go forward. And, you know, here we are now. Shelley, there's another focus to this petition, the social justice focus. Can you talk about that element of this petition? Absolutely. So I would, you know, I would definitely categorize this as like a social justice, environmental justice piece, because a lot of, you know, the problem with class two injection wells in Ohio is that, you know, they are located in the majority of counties where they are in rural, lower income, majority white communities. And, you know, and this is what we see, you know, is a environmental injustice to these communities and to, you know, to poison the majority of these communities because that's where the waste goes. And so this population is experiencing the brunt of the burden of the poisoning that is happening in Ohio. And so, you know, the, the aspect of social justice is like really just trying to create a movement to educate not only Ohio, but, you know, the United States and further the world of what's happening when we look at, you know, industry and how industry is showing up in relation to the land and to the living world, like water, soil, and animals and trees, and taking that into consideration when moving forward with policy. And, and with Shelly, we're running out of time. I'd like to have a website, Roxanne, where people can get information. Oh, you asked the techno-challenged person that. BuckeyeEnvironmentalNetwork.org. There's Ohio Brine Task Force. Um, both of those sites have pretty much up-to-date information on what's going on um, and where you can make contacts, who you can contact. And we, we try to keep those updated every week so that, that citizens can actually go and see the latest news that we're involved in. Okay. Anybody else with the website? Shelly or James? Absolutely. We have on sierraclub.org forward slash Ohio forward slash fighting oil and gas. You can take action and, and you can take action with us to tell the US EPA that Ohioans have had enough. 
All right. Thanks to Shelley Corbin, Roxanne Groff, James Icecamp, petitioners and legal counsel to request that the US EPA revoke primacy of Ohio class two oil and gas injection wells from the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks, Thanks Carol. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRN.org, Grassroot Ohio now airs on Sundays at 2 p.m. at WCRSFM.org and at 4 p.m. at WEJPLP in Wheeling, Moundsville, West Virginia. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.